Hey, welcome to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast wholly focused on music and arts and promoting musicians and artisans on the north coast of New South Wales. This podcast is proudly sponsored by local businesses who love the arts and want to show their support for the arts in the area. Local Bill Co. are based in Bellingen and operate between Coffs Harbour and Nambucca. Company owner Jordan grew up in Bello and is now settled in Yurunga with his wife Ellie and their two daughters. When you build with Local Build Co, you build with a team who pride themselves on their high standard of work and their dedication to achieving goals for their customers. All inquiries, hit up Jordy on 0431 430 822. Henry Gale Tiling operates from Bellingen and specialises in all renovation and building projects. Henry lives in Dogo with his wife Megan and their two children, and his tiling partner Brenton lives in Milestone with his partner Lily. They provide a dedicated service to their clients from start to finish. Servicing the Bellingen Shire and surrounds, you can expect hands-on service from a highly experienced tiling team. Have a tiling job? Call Henry on 0401-287-778. This podcast is also supported by a host of live music venues who are proud to continue supporting the music industry on the North Coast. And so to this week's gig guide, at Bar K Sarai in Sawtell on Thursday the 8th of April, Sriracha are performing the Locals Night from 6pm. At Element Bar in Coffs Harbour on Friday the 9th of April from 7pm, Joshua Matheson. On Saturday the 10th of April from 7pm, Akova. And on Sunday the 11th of April from 4.30pm, Akova. At Red Sea Events in Coffs Harbour on Friday the 9th of April, at 7pm they have an open mic night with Pleasing George. On Saturday the 10th of April, at midday they have the Orlandos, and at 7pm, Car Ramrod. On Sunday the 11th of April at 12pm, they have Benny Black, and at 3pm, The Shuffleman. At the Coast Hotel in Coffs Harbour, every Friday night is Friday Fiesta, a Mexican-themed street barbecue in the beer garden and a DJ. And on Saturday the 10th of April, cocktail specials and a DJ from 8pm. At the Pub With No Beer in Taylor's Arm, on Sunday the 11th of April, they have Fat Tractor playing from 12.30pm for their regular Sunday session. At Surf Street in Emerald Beach, on Saturday the 10th of April, Mitch Burgess is kicking the tunes from 6pm. At Tish Farco in Bellingen on Sunday the 11th of April, Jamie Dean Hunson is playing from 5pm. At Scott's Hub in Scott's Head on Saturday the 10th of April, Affy James is performing. It's a $10 carpet charge. At the Ocean View Hotel in Yurunga, every Sunday at 2pm, great acts for their Sunday sesh on the back deck. Liberty Providors, Yurunga, they've got great food and coffee all week round, slow-cooked lamb rolls on the weekends, and buskers regularly popping in to perform. Source Salvage Studio in Bellingen has amazing local handcrafted art, great coffee and performers regularly popping in at various times. And at Dark Arts in Coffs Harbour, they are open all week for brekkie and lunch, dinner on Friday and Saturday and occasional live music and comedy. See their website for details. That's the gig guide for this week. Stay tuned for today's episode featuring the head of 2 Triple B Radio, presenter Kai Rugrock, on the other side of the questions. It was an awesome chat. Enjoy the show.
You are listening to Celebrate Sounds, a local music and arts podcast based on the mid-north coast, all about highlighting musicians and artisans uh, in this lovely area of ours. Today on the show, uh, a guest of um, the highest musical quality, not as a musician himself, but as uh, a great supporter of local music and music in general. Um, and we've got Kai Rugrock from Two Triple B. How you going, man? Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, I I like the fact that you had to clarify not a natural musician. With well, actually, this one. I, I should have probably <laughs> asked. Do you play any instruments? No, not at all. Like it, it was kind of interesting <laughs> because I've been obsessed with music, musical to my whole life, and apart from like a six month stint as a ten year old, maybe that was the only time I actually attempted. Uh, music and, you know, picking up a guitar. But ever since then, no, I let the professionals do it and That's just so, sit back and enjoy it. It's so interesting to hear you say that because, um, you know, being a, a performer and, and playing a whole heap of gigs, I often get people who come up and say, man, that was that was great. I liked this song and by a certain artist and this song. Was that your original? And I always feel this like, oh, so you, you must play music. And they're like, no, no, not at all. No, I just really love it. And um, it's something that I I understand, but I've never understood it from a person's perspective like yourself who doesn't play music but just enjoys listening to well, it. Well, it's kind of like if you have a non-muso appreciating a musician's work, you take the whole jealousy out of it as well yeah, because absolutely. a muso appreciating another muso, they can be like, how dare they be able to do that? And I can't. I've been working on dicks like that for years and yes. haven't been able to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no question. I've I've had my fair share of moments sitting <laughs> in a room just going, oh, oh, they're so good, but I'm just looking for something bad to say about <laughs> them. Um, but I'm, I'm way past that. I'm, a, I'm much more about just making people enjoy what they do and get better in any way, shape, or form that they can. Well, you are very humble, man. I try yeah. my best. I try my best. So uh, tell us a little bit about your, I guess, like most of the time I ask musicians and, and artisans, like, you know, what got you into what you're doing? And um, uh, the, for people who don't know that you are the, is it, what do you, what's your official title? Um, Triple B? Again, uh, after a year break, I'm back as chairperson of the um, 2 Triple B committee and also yep. programming director as well. It's kind of a role I fell into without actually technically being chosen. <laughs> um, but no, I've been involved in Triple B in one form or another since a teenager. And it was yeah. pretty much my parents wanted me to do some extra curriculum stuff outside of school and me hating sport. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I... Was right into drama at the time, done a few like yeah. drama productions around town with um, a bunch of people, like putting on plays at the Mem Hall as yeah. a 14 or 15 year old, and then got a bit sick of the egos and that. So, me and a mate's like, oh, yeah, let's jump on air. And um, it, it, it's really funny because the ladies who trained me up years ago, I still run into them. In town, like um, Sandra Brack, who yeah. owns Habitat with, her, daughter, uh, with his, her son, uh, Baxter. She trained me as a 15-year-old. Yeah, and right. So I keep on ch- running into her years later, and it's a kind of, you know, huge roundabout way. Well, it must be so back. nice. And it must be so nice for someone who trained you 
Uh, and I don't know if she's still at the radio station. She is, and I've been not. trying to coach her back for <laughs> the last couple of years. That seemed to be your uh, thing last year, trying to get people to yeah. to do shows and that sort of thing. But I'm interested, um, you, you mentioned some plays. Were you ever in the, uh, the high school musical at Bellinger? I wasn't. And that was one of these ones where... Um, the jealousy came in because I didn't actually enjoy it because I'm like, how dare they get those parts? And I was slightly oh, too young and I did, oh, true. I, I think I was like in the gray where you could only be part of the chorus or yeah, something. You couldn't actually have yeah. a speaking role. I'm like, boy, if I'm not the star, I'm not in it yeah, at all. Fully. Oh, that's hilarious. I was, um, I was the lead actor in the first one that they did. Well, was, was that the outsiders? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Singing and acting. I don't think my acting was very good. My singing was okay. Yeah. But um, I was just curious because, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were a part of that. That was an amazing experience. It was so much fun. Yeah, I, I didn't actually do anything involved with the school apart from, like, the couple musicals for Bellway Primary. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, this tiny little... Um, like gr- a drama group, drama group outside of school. It was this lady named Rebecca Carnes who hasn't lived in the area for years. Who started it up, and it was. I remember the first one we done. It was like this German, like Cold War kind of oh, yeah. really dark, dark. play <laughs> where my character actually committed suicide, in oh, it, and nice. I was like this young twelve year old, and then. Uh, she ended up leaving and a guy named Leah Bradley George, who's actually involved yeah. with the radio station still, uh, he took it over on his, uh, daughters, Mary and Amy wrote a play and it was just like the polar opposite to that silly kind of fun, fun, yeah, yeah. you know, I think I did, I did, thing that kids yeah. do. Yeah. I did, um, drama with Mary in year 12. Mm. And um, and actually, Sean, yeah, Bradney George, a, a wild card. I've been doing some writing with him. I have to show you when we get off air some yeah. of the tracks that we've been doing. Yeah, um, nice. yeah that's cool. And and uh, in terms of making that decision and go, okay, well, we're going to learn how to put music on the radio. Mm. What what was it about music? Like, do, was there ever a moment where you kind of just well, well, like I really just love listening or finding out about because one thing I, I know about you, having sat in the studio with you and 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 been interviewed by mm. you, is that you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to who's playing where and what's happening and musicians more than I do even and mm. and uh, and I don't say that in um, any disrespect to the musicians mm. I know around the area, but you just have a, a wealth of knowledge, guys that I've never even heard of. Sometimes you're dropping names, and I'm like. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know who that is, yeah. Um, so what was it that kind of drew you to that and or was that something that developed over time? I think it developed over time because as a young kid, I, I had a shocking music taste, you know, Savage Garden, oh, yes. CDs, you know, so press compilations. Yeah. And then, and then I like, I think it was, yeah, probably early teenage years, so finally dived into my older brother's connection and got into, you know, Smash and Pumpkins and Grinspoon yep. and stuff like that. And I I don't know. Like, it was probably actually humanising the people because the, at probably like the age of about 15, I thought I realised it was possible to get some of my idols on, on the radio and actually yeah. chat to them. And then actually having that sh- humanising them and, hearing stories about the music and stuff really got me a lot more into the local scene and got me out of the top 40 that a lot of young kids get stuck into. And 
I was pretty obsessed with Triple J as a kid as well. I, I remember, you know, times listening to the Hottest 100 and not moving all day and yeah. literally just writing down the oldest as they go well, along. Well, I suppose that's what you, you used to do before the, mm. the advent of... Yeah, before uh, hopping on Wiki of, and, of, you know, yeah, <laughs> refreshing it to see what had exactly. come up. And they would uh, put the album out mm. um, once a year so you could get it that way, but, um, you know, save yourself... 30 bucks and write yeah. that, write the songs down. That's awesome. But yeah, it took me a while to actually figure out my own tastes. And I guess like living in a town like Bellow, because we get so many great artists through here and kind of like on like the tipping point of them becoming something bigger. Like yeah. I, I remember getting into Teskey Brothers when they came to yeah, absolutely. Um, the Winterfest. Winterfest. It, didn't know anything about them. No right. one knew them. And then all of a sudden, like at the up. moment, they're um, doing a huge festival tour around Australia, being supported by Cat Empire and John Butler and Boy and Bear. It's crazy, hey? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, you yeah. know? And being able to chat to people like that at the start of their career and then seeing it how it goes yeah. is, yeah, it's really awesome. It's kind of nice yeah. to say, and and I have that like name dropping. I had a good <laughs> chat with Josh um, from the Teskey Brothers mm. in in the Bellingen Brewery that same Winterfest, and uh, it was interesting interviewing Chris before. Yeah, um, and he was the same. He said it was so nice walking into that room and going, "Who are these guys?" Yeah. And then you know, next minute, um, six months later, twelve months later, they got massive, uh, massive following. Big songs coming out, playing with. Um, doing some collaboration with Ash Grunwald mm. and and all that kind of stuff, and obviously doing those tours. What's what what do you think is um, one of the aspects in terms of you said humanizing before? What mm. do you ever get nervous? What are the things that you do to help overcome any nervousness? If you're talking to someone, okay, so it's different from someone who's emerging, but someone yeah. who's established. So uh, okay, most recent example yesterday. Uh, interviewed Ben D. Right. In, you know, he's doing his tour. Yeah, he's playing at the Holy Moly in a few weeks. Took our uh, gig, actually, incidentally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got him on the phone. I've been following his career for years yeah. and I've been upset. Like, well, not really obsessed, but like, awake is in your sleep and hey, you, um, yes, you uh, were huge albums in my life. And got him on the phone and I'm like, I don't want a fanboy too much. All right. Well, he was just spent the last twenty years in the states, um, and he was volunteered on the Biden campaign. Let's talk about U.S. politics wow. instead. And yeah. he, because it was something that he doesn't talk about every day, he yeah. really opened up, and I yeah. had him on the phone for like forty minutes. Yeah, I you feel know? like, um, and and this is sort of what I was saying before is that you don't have this list of questions that you just look to get through, like. What's the album about? What's the song about? Mm. When's it coming out? What are your tour dates? And I've always found that with you that that there's like a there's an openness to the conversation, and especially when you you don't do that and you trigger something or you hear something that the artist says or you've done your research, which you do. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. To a point, um, I, I was saying to another friend of mine, uh, who do, has been doing interviews for years, um, as well, and he's. He probably goes to the other extreme is where you don't want to be over-prepared because you want to still be interested with the answers they give. If you know everything they're going exactly. to say, Absolutely. then 
you're not surprised or you're not like, oh, okay, I want to hear more about that. And yeah. you then add the following questions. Um, but one thing I've always stuck to is I remember watching an interview that Adam Hill was done with Michael Parkinson mm. years ago and uh, Parky said, you know, the best way of interviewing people is not interviewing them, just having a conversation yeah, and seeing absolutely. where it goes. Yeah, yeah. And so I've tried to keep to that ethos L- later in life, like at when I was green, doing it when I was 16, 17, yeah. even into my early 20s. Yeah, I was a bit of a shocker of, okay, this is what questions are going yeah. to be asked and yeah. knock off the script. But sometimes you have to because... Well, I think sometimes they I, yeah. don't give you anything either, no, and that's true. So it's always good to have prompts, and it'd be the same in, in some ways as, as doing a live gig when you're young and you're yeah. first starting to do gigs. You're like, we're not we're not going off script. We're playing these songs. If someone yeah. asks for something, have your banter rehearsed yeah, and yeah, everything? Your banter yeah. rehearsed. Everything's like this is the set list. Is and now it's the completely opposite. It's like, what do I feel like playing? What's the crowd saying? And and what's happening? And you've got that repertoire to go to, and you would mm. have the same. A similar sort of thing, a repertoire of questions that you can ask if you need to. They're there in the back of your head. But yeah. when you're young, it's like, write those things down. Yeah, like I still have my notes yeah. every time. I normally prep maybe five to ten talking points, but yeah. I don't script it out. Yeah, either, and you so. just see what happens. Yeah. And if you get much. to one of them or you get to none of them or 20 of them, it's neither here nor there. It's more about just being prepared and yeah. and, and seeing what happens. Like um, like you mentioned Ash Grimwell before I chatted to him a few weeks back. We ended up talking about the rental crisis up yeah. and down the coast yeah. because it was something he was interested in. We were talking about regional towns yeah. and it just came up and that was half of the interview. Yeah, right. It wasn't promoting him at all. Well, and, it, yeah. I think it makes for better listening too. Mm. And you listen to some of the best podcasts and best interviewers and, and I'm a massive fan of Joe Rogan. Mm. I don't love all of his guests because yeah. I'm not super into um, MMA fighting. <laughs> <laughs> But the ones that he has on, the political ones, philosophy, science, mm. all that kind of stuff, it's very fascinating. And and the whole thing is there's no agenda. It's like, hey, who are you? Tell us about you. Tell us about your research. Tell us about your activity. And that's certainly something that I, I um, aspire to when I'm doing these interviews, and I'm sure you do too. It's about mm. having that conversation, about having a connection with people rather than just going, you know what, I'm Kai and I'm the Triple J, a uh, Triple J, imagine that, <laughs> Triple B Chief and um, whatever else. Anyway. Yeah, um, of course. And that's great. Um, the hardest thing but being such an isolated area um, like Bello, especially over the last 12 months, was mm. all them touring acts stopped. So the, you know, face-to-face connections stopped yeah. as well. So all of a sudden it's all over telecommunications, either Skype or phone or whatnot. It's not the same. No, like, you can still get that connection, but you have to work so much harder for it, and they have to want it as well. Yeah. Because if they don't, like, I've had plenty of interviews where, like, yep, 15 minutes done, they're like, all right, cheers for that, see you later, and that was it. Yeah, right. You just move on. Where others, you know, you wrap up the interview and you're chatting for another half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose yeah. like um, when you're talking about using technology and that could be FaceTime, it could be Zoom, it could mm. be just a phone call, there's something about it where you don't have their attention. Mm. I mean, you think that you do and you might, but you don't know for certain. And they could be listening to your questions, doing something completely different, mm-hmm. not being completely engaged, where having a forced interact, well, not forced, but having an interaction where you're 
you're forced to look at each other and mm. see our mannerisms and body language. Um, it probably helps you even just knowing where they're at and, okay, if you struck a nerve um, yeah. with something. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it takes out half of the form of the communication, yeah. not being able to see a face. Exactly and, right. Yeah, I've done plenty where they're waiting at the train station or they're walking <laughs> their dog or they're at work. And it's kind of an inconvenience, which is a bit disheartening, yeah. especially if you go to all this effort and it's you know just part of their day that they're just wanting to brush through as fast as yeah. possible. Uh, but then you have others who are like super grateful, yeah. super grateful because e- even if it's such a small station in a small town, um, they're this independent band or artist, and yeah. you know you're giving them a go. Oh, absolutely. And mm. I think, you know, the whole thing is that like some people probably just tend to be more conversational as well mm. and they, they really appreciate it. But other people, it might seem like an inconvenience. I'm, um, I'm curious to know, um, obviously during COVID times, a lot of the shows were, were pre-recorded mm. and a lot of it not live, but I know that Triple B, you have live presenters and you've mm. done live interviews. You've done one with me before. Yeah. Curious to know if you've had any of any really incredibly awkward moments. You don't have to tell us who <laughs> with, but if something sort of comes to mind where you've asked a question and it's gone over terribly, or there's been like a a, a, a miscommunication of some sort. I don't know so much miscommunication. I've just had shocking interviews in the <laughs> past. I, I remember this one. I can't even remember this artist's name. It was, that's, probably, so, that's probably good. Yeah, someone <laughs> playing at number five a few years ago and his manager was really pushing to get him on air. I'm like, sweet, cool. Yeah. He can come in live. And he was just not into it. And right. I spent most of the time when the mics were off chatting to his manager because his manager actually talked. Yeah. Where the artist, no, nah, not at all. And it turned into... Honestly, shit radio. But there's when it's like that, it's pretty much like pulling teeth. What you do know? you What do you do? I mean, it's it's bad enough. <laughs> when, it, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it's bad. It's it's bad enough having those conversations, but to have a conversation that's being aired to the public. <laughs> mm. Yeah, especially yeah. live. Yeah. as well, and there's no recovery time. Yeah, like. Shorter mic breaks, you know, uh, quickly go to a song and try to coach as much other interesting information out of them while you're off air as possible um, to try to just rattle around in your head as fast as possible, thinking of a different angle instead of just album tour cycles, you know. Yeah, so so for example, if this podcast was going really terribly – I might be able to go something like, what is your favorite dish that you like to cook? <laughs> is that something that like, I've never dipped that low, Josh. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, this could be a food podcast as well. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, I haven't, I don't think I've ever gone that bad or, you know, what's your perfect Sunday morning kind yeah. of thing or anything. Um, but yeah, it's, oh, you put, you're putting me on the spot now. This podcast could go terribly. Well, we could. We will go on swimming. So, yeah, maybe I should switch around to you. What uh, uh, tense moments have you had I'm in the past? I'm mate? so controversial. Yeah. Um, tense moments I've had in the past. 
on air. Yeah. Not really any no. tense moments. I don't. No. Uh, I do have, remember one from the the radio show that I was doing last year, and it was one of those where I was interviewing someone. I won't say who. Mm. They're, they're semi close to me, um, but in a in a weird way. So uh, that if that won't give you any yeah. clues. But um, I asked this particular person something, and I'd I'd quoted her on something that she said in a different interview with mm. someone else. And um, I don't know if it was that she didn't like me quoting her or the thing that she said was kind of a polarizing um, statement. And I quoted it back to her and we just hit this like little impasse for 10 seconds. And there was like this, um, and I just instantly felt this like regret of like, okay, maybe just keep it lighthearted and don't get too serious with the interview. Especially when it's printed quotes as well. They can be so out of of context as well. Or like I have quoted people back to themselves in the past and never a huge fan of it. It all depends on who it is. I suppose it's different when you're, when you're, um, interviewing a, a musician or an artist as opposed to interviewing a politician. Yeah. Um, um, which I have done a few kind of poly. Kind yeah, yeah. Of, like, I don't know, biggest would be like the male coughs or something yeah, yeah. like that, where that got into a few tense moments. Right. But um, she she was pretty good at shifting it to something else, you know, just don't talk about the civic center over in cops and oh, you'll be dear. fine. And well, that's, oh, that's the, that's Polly's game one oh one, right? Mm. Like it's know how to avoid questions. Yeah. Stay on point, stay on message. But like if it's a well-known person who has done a lot of media in the past, I always try to find some form of uh, like, from an interview or video or something mm. of them covering that topic in the past to see what their response is. Yeah, live um, rather than written down kind of thing. Yeah, oh, just because if they stonewall it straight away, uh, you know you shouldn't bring it up because it will just end badly. Like I had a once chatting to Dan Sultan and I brought mm. up a – past collaborator of his that he worked with for years, his old right. uh, guitarist. And I brought that up in an interview. I'm like, you're not working with him anymore. And it just killed the interview right? really fast. And his whole attitude changed from there on in. And I got like two sentence answers every time. And Wow. Yeah. Where I thought I was, just, just, I couldn't just find anything about it online yeah. or anything. And I was as a fan, I was personally interested as yeah. well, but it was something that wasn't dealt with right. Right. And, and, and really of no fault of your own. Um, and, and a great question for from a musician's point of view. If you're coming in t- for an interview, mm. uh, you know, like someone like me, I, there's not really any topic that's off, off limits. Mm. But if there is, w- how should you approach that before... You come in. I mean, like maybe it's 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 a tricky one because he obviously didn't want to talk about it, but you knowing that would have helped the interview. Yeah, of course. Um, sometimes I flag stuff before I start recording, or if I'm off air, if I think it is going to be uh sensitive. Yeah, as well. Like, uh, 
a couple of weeks ago, I chatted to a indigenous artist uh, from Northern Territory, mm. and we ended up talking about reconciliation and the right way around it. And luckily, he was really open about it. But I have had it in the past where brought up that that point of topic with indigenous artists and get a completely different answer, yeah. and it kills it quite fast yeah. as well. So it's it's really a case by case basis. If there's anything that you're not one hundred percent sure on, you just have to flag it first and yeah. see what they'll think. But yeah, case by case. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. And and there is a time and place for those asking those tough questions and staying on point. But mm. probably community radio when you're when you're interviewing musicians is not the. Not, uh, uh, not always. Um, I, I, I don't know. I had it once where it was just a phone interview with um, an artist. Um, I won't say who it was because mm. it was quite um, not great for his brand, so to speak. But mm. it was a guy who was from a former um, Australian band that yeah. was huge on Triple J, high rotation, blah, yeah. blah, blah. They had since broke up and he was so jaded about it. He was so jaded about the industry and mm. ended up almost having a bit of a meltdown to oh, me no. over the phone. And he called me up like two days later begging me to not air, not air the whole thing because he didn't want any young kids to hear it or yeah. anything. So I had to brutally edit it right down. And that was gold. I could have you know, chucked it up on YouTube Very or whatnot and sent it yeah, around probably. to all the, you know, music feeds yeah. or junkie or whatever and it would have gotten traction. Yeah. But because he was actually came to me about it, yeah. like it was a bit of a ethical dilemma. Yeah. Um Yeah, but because that, as a as a music journal, yeah. it's like you're you're interviewing these people to get content. Yeah. To, to be able to provide that to the public. Like I had a friend um who had a website up in Brisbane who used to interview metal bands and that, mm. and he would um, on purposely ask questions to incite clickbait and, you know, try to get them to badmouth, you know, a member of Metallica uh, or something yeah, yeah, or yeah. badmouth the organisers <laughs> of Soundwave because he wanted to get it on other blogs and yeah. try to get the hits up, which he did a few times. Cheeky. But, it, it, yeah, it was a bit of a cheeky bugger thing to do, you oh, know, yeah. getting like the one of the members from Fear Factory to say that like the organizers of Soundwave are <laughs> shit and stuff and then you know sent Triple J music news team a thing like, oh yeah, check out this or yeah, you know, of this right. person saying that and they yeah. ran with the story. Well you that's know? that's sensational sensationalism yeah. at its best, isn't it? It's yeah. It's about taking something out of, not even necessarily out of context, but blowing it out of the water. Yeah, of it's, course. It's, it's uh, very interesting. But then, like, but then you don't want to do rinse and repeat no. views as well of, okay, this is their press release getting um, regurgitated back at you. Yeah, it's, what, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, the, the story always has to be changing, I think. Mm. And I think, you know, uh, that's one thing that, that podcasts and sort of long interviews I, I really enjoy because – when you have talking points, and I've had this experience um, with different radio stations on the phone or in person, um, particularly commercial radio stations, is that you usually have, you've got talking points mm. and you've got, you know, a couple of minutes and you're only in the studio for 10, 15 minutes. And during that time, so much ads and, and mm. songs are going on that it's all just little sound bites. Yep. Little sound bites. So you don't get anything. Whereas the convert 
conversational type of podcast um, where you know I'm hearing your story and if, if you're an artist or I'm hearing an artist's story and it's about unpacking that and it's not about just saying, you know, you're, you're doing this and you're doing that and you're doing this, exactly what you're saying, regurgitating mm. the content. It's about finding out a little bit more about them and in this case you oh, um, because I, I, I feel like, you know, um, uh, my vibe is highlighting music and, and musicians mm. and artists in this area. I've got some artists coming in for some interviews very soon. Um, and I thought of you, given that you've been such an avid supporter of music and local music and, mm. you know, I've seen you uh, at ungodly hours in the, the blue van <clears throat> um, on weekends, all weekend, hanging out and being there, interviewing people, keeping keeping that station sort of running. Yeah, and then doing my hospital work straight ah, afterwards as good. well, which is always fun. Yeah, how many coffees do you drink a day? Oh, too many, mate. Too many? But, yeah, there has been many of times where I would spend – you know, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Winter Music Fest, mm. all, like there were like 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah. in the morning, running that all day, literally packing up and then running to my day job straight yeah. afterwards. And then, you know, at the end of the weekend, people was like, oh, yeah, what bands do you see? I'm like, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get a chance. You know, I met many of people. but Yeah, but you didn't get a chance. I mean, one the one cool thing um, and that I don't know if you were doing this interview, it might have been Scott... Collins and mm. um, uh, Nicole Hind. Nicole Hind, and they were interviewing uh, what is his name, Graham Mose. Yes, yeah, um, the new artist. Yeah, yeah, and he he is also in a band called Fat Picnic. Oh, okay, I didn't uh, and that's, even realize I that, like Fat so Picnic. That's where yeah. I met him, um, just at a gig where I played before them at, at, at the Hoi Moi in Coffs Harbour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching and he played and that, and I'm sure you've had the similar situation where artists have come in and they've actually played. And so, mm. yes, you didn't get to see much of the live music, yeah. but you've had people come in. And, oh yeah, and do plenty of times. Like, um, some of my m- favorite live music experiences is having an artist, you know, as far as from me to you yeah. away performing. And I've had some pretty amazing people over the years. Um, Name drop. Uh, name drop? I Okay, so like, for example, the first ever time that happened, I was probably about 16 or 17, yep. and I had Lior no uh, come in just at the start of his career. Yeah. He ended up, he played This Old Love in the oh, studio, damn. and that ended up exploding. That's um, a great song. You know, having people like Kim Churchill come yep. in on a regular basis, Jeff Lane, Mama yeah. King, Tim Pan Owen, stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's, it can be awkward sometimes when that close to you. Um, but you like, you won't get it any other way. Well, that's the thing. There's, there's an aspect where like, you know, as a music consumer, I like to think of myself as a music consumer, Mm. even though I don't get to see as much live music because I'm always playing, but, but certainly have paid tickets and whatever for many festivals and, mm. and gigs over the years, going mm. to see something where 10,000 other people, 5,000, 200 other people are there, there's this thing where it's it's a beautiful experience but it's not wholly your experience where what you've got is a guy sitting or a girl sitting mm. in the studio and you're there in, in a time and place that no one else is has got that kind of ability to connect with them at the same time. And you're their audience, more mm. or less their sole audience. Yeah, it's, it's always cool. interesting when the song ends and it's like, okay, how do I respond? Yeah. Do I do a big applaud? <laughs> do, <I, laughs> do I just... Yeah. Like, I 
um, fake applause. Yeah, that's how I, feel I, I did have um, Tim Pan Owens bring me to tears one time oh. when it was overtired. It was the end of the very oh, first Winterfest, yes. the whole week. It was the first outside broadcast I ever coordinated, and the whole thing just went terribly. Oh, no. And ended up canceling the second day. But they came into the studio, and I hadn't slept, and they prayed. And at the end, I'm like, yep, yeah, cool, I'm going to another song. And yeah. Just chatting to them afterwards, I'm like, I need a minute. <laughs> and, really? And all great about it. And ran into them a couple of years later and chatting about it then. And they remembered it. And oh, it was beautiful. Do you know what, though? Like, there's nothing better than an artist having someone. I mean, look, it's great when people get up and dance. It's great mm. when people do all that kind of stuff. But singing your own lyrics, uh, sorry, li- letting the lyrics and the, the mood of the song affect someone like an, on an mm. emotional level and someone's come up and said, man, I really I resonated with that. I really felt those lyrics and, and what you were trying to do. There's nothing better for an artist, a songwriter, mm. to have that experience. That, so is you know, tease better than a standing ovation then, Josh? I reckon. <laughs> I reckon, yeah. <laughs> I reckon, yeah, because I think, well, I guess it depends on who you are. Yeah. And again, I was talking with Chris uh, on, an, on another interview we're saying the same thing because there are, there are different motivations for being a performer. Mm. Some people want the acclaim. Some people want the euphoric feeling of people singing their songs, but in a in a bit of a an egotistical way. Like, mm-hmm. look at me, I'm so good. Other people want to tell a story, and they want that story to be resonated with. They want people to kind of connect with the lyrics and and the live experience as well. And so I think I think a standing ovation for the guy who um, wants people to to notice his talent yeah. or her talent. Um, that that's 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 their high. And, and but for other people, for songwriters that that they want to r- write something with a message, with a with a theme or whatever, and they want people to connect with that. Uh, seeing someone in, in the audience with t- tears in their eyes, yeah, is probably a, a thing where you'd be like, oh my goodness, that was an incredible experience. Mm. So yeah, different motivations, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like. I remember chatting with Stella Donnelly one time. Yeah. You've had uh, interviewed as yeah. well. And I, I remember uh, we were going for the story behind her track, Boys Will Be Boys. Yeah. And she was telling me how important it was when she performed it at Splendor and saw people tearing up. Yeah. And that was when she's like, okay, this is something that's really connecting with people. I shouldn't be scared of it. And that's an incredible track. Oh, yeah. And definitely. she, and she, I'm assuming, but she obviously told you the story behind it. And mm. when, uh, that was just, it was gut-wrenching hearing yeah. it. Um, See, the, that was the example where I was a bit hesitant to actually bring yeah, it up yeah. and pushing the subject as well. But luckily, Stella is pretty open yeah, and has worked through it all and yeah. is a pro and stuff. But uh, oh, it's a, a, it's lesser, a hot topic. Um, yeah, it's definitely a hot topic. But um, a artist who hasn't moved through that yeah. all or haven't been wrong through the media ringer as much as what Stella has over the last couple of years yeah. um, may not be able to, you know, confront that being brought up in a radio interview. Yeah, I mean, it, it could just be a trigger. Yeah. Um, something that they don't want to deal with, and uh, and I think um, you know that point is perfect. The fact that she'd already realised that something about this song is really powerful, mm. um, and and it's a great message. If you haven't heard the track, "Boys Will Be Boys," um, it's 
you, it's not a it's not a track that you want to be vibing to. It's a track <laughs> that you want to have your heart broken to. Yeah. And I remember listening to it before I interviewed her, because um, I'd only really heard bits and pieces like tricks and the um the triple J like a version. Mm. Um, it was interesting. I just met her around the corner with Marcel from Rolling yeah. Blackouts Coastal Fever, and um, it was at the start of COVID, and um. Because I know you interviewed her before when she did a John Butler thing a year mm. or so before that, but I hadn't met her and they're just walking past and I couldn't pick her. Mm. And they're like, yeah, this is Stella. And I was like, hi. And I just, I had this awkward kind of, I know you, but I yeah, don't I know, know who face. you are. And then I was like, oh yes, love is in the air. Your yeah. like version was incredible. Um, apparently Marcel was doing some shaker on that track. Yeah, well. he, he was on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's an absolute pro and, and I remember talking to her about that song and, um, it was really, um, illuminating hearing the fact that, you know, what a friend went through and all that kind mm. of stuff. Um, so yeah. And I suppose like with those, with those topics, you've just got to feel them out as an interviewer. Um, but going back to, um, yeah, what to your, ex- about? Your, your, yeah. Ex- your experience with, uh, uh, with having the band in the studio, I can't remember who you said it was. Mm. Um, oh, Tim Panel. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and having that teary moment. And a lot of the time music does that to you. And, mm. and it is when you, you've got some kind of emotional stuff going on, but I feel like that's just the soundtrack to life. Like yeah. it's moments when you're, you're listening to a song. Um, you know, my terrible example is like listening to no doubt when I was 14 <laughs> and I'd just broken up with my girlfriend. Mm. Uh, don't speak. Yeah. Don't speak. I know just what you say. Um, yeah, we all know the song. We yeah. all know oh, what a great song it was. Um, but the, you, you tie moments of your life to oh, different yeah. songs and different musical experiences, I think. Um, mm. And so that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what we were talking about, Winterfest. So uh, what I wanted to ask you uh, ages ago, and it only just trickled back into my mind because we did go on a, a lovely tangent. Yeah. I do like lovely tangents. Is, it it um, works well for long-form <clears throat> interviews, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> tangents are the best. Um now I've forgotten again. No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, being a, a radio presenter mm. in, in Bellingen and, and, you know, Bellingen radio, but also having um, had a lot, lot of people come through, I'm sure you've had a lot of local North Coast musical acts come through. Yeah, like um, yours, Trudy, yeah. Yeah, well, thank <laughs> you. I, I guess I'm curious to know, one thing that I, I really found um, about putting together the radio show for Triple B last year and highlighting local music is just the array of talent that's here. Mm. And it's very underground and, and there's a few people who've made it and, and when I say made it, they've got some good traction on things like Spotify and Mm. record deals and whatnot. Is there anyone in particular that stands out for you? Um, solo artist, band, whatever, someone that, and they, they don't have to have quote unquote made it, but just someone who you were pleasantly surprised to discover and maybe you had an interview, maybe you didn't even have an interview, but just a local band. So funnily enough, uh, one local band that I ended up seeing up at Moa Music Festival uh, was Honey and Knives. Yeah. And like, do, do, I knew, I knew, um, Toker and Tom. Toker and Tom, and I've met them, and I knew Jackie a little bit, and yep. seen them around, and went to their gig, and ended up interviewing them afterwards. I'm like, this is kind of stupid. You guys all live around the corner. Yeah. Why am I interviewing you behind a hall <laughs> four hours up north, yeah. you know, instead of actually doing it properly at home? But, um, like, something like that was really special. Uh, 
other local bands, like there's been so many good ones over the year. Um, one one of my favourite gigs ever was a very short lived uh project with Georgie Chordy, Owie McGill, oh, yeah. and Pete Skelton. Uh, it's still hit, going. Hip Mama. Well, yeah, yeah. they've done like two years. Yeah, you know, been, like, the, the writing process. I yeah. actually had Georgie in last week, and the writing process is still happening. It's just obviously. A lot slower. Oh, a lot slower. Like, yeah. I, I remember going to the very first gig at the brewery, and it was chockers. Like, yeah. The brewery's a small enough venue as it That's is, right, yeah, but, yeah. but they it had it pumping, nice. and Georgie was in her element. It was the first time I've seen her perform. She can be quite shy sometimes, but she was just owning it. Yeah, yeah. You know, this little pocket rocket. And the, Absolutely. Uh, at the front of these two, like, Highly acclaimed yeah. artist, yeah. you know, like everyone knows Oli from all of his work with Cat Empire and whatnot. And Pete Skilton has been a session yeah. muso. He's for, been he's been around the block. He he's been around the block, but at the same time, nicest guy you ever yeah, yeah. meet. Um, and seeing Georgie out the front, new girl to town, and just killing it. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone loving it. Um. All at once as well. Like seeing moments like that is always quite special. Mm. Always had a soft spot for Jack Hardy's music. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's one of the ones that's quote unquote made it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so to speak. But he's always really good. He's an um, incredible songwriter. Yeah. 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 And he's been doing it for so long that yeah. you know. But like seeing uh some of the new ones pop up as well. Well, like an act like Sage, Shandy yep. and Joe. Like they've been doing it for a while, but they're really making some ground for themselves now. Um, but then, you know, and then on the other hand, you get like your kind of uh, local covers bands that are just always a lot of fun, like Funk Thieves, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, Groove Robbers and stuff like that. Those. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. what, what, do you see the similarities between the Funk Thieves and the Groove Robbers? Well, I see you guys. You're you're the Groove Robbers nephews. Uh, yeah, you know it's the same. Name. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of stole it from them. Sorry, Tony. I know Tony's a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good work, mate. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was. It, it's it, a completely different outfit. You it's know, totally like, different. We don't don't do anything the same. We don't dress up in drag. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, on a local level. Um, Cover cover bands are great, mm. and uh, you know it's always nice as a radio presenter presenting original music, having people in. Yeah, and, it's and, always and hard promoting cover bands, yeah. but like I've, I think I was chatting to you about it once. Like, you, you kind of have to do it to you know get the gigs yeah. and yeah. like I, I know <clears throat> you you have three different projects on the go with yeah. your solo Little King and Funk Thieves, so yeah. you can get booked as much as possible. Yeah, and like it. It's a hard one because you want to push original music, but mm. sometimes booking your original act is harder. Oh, there's than no ever. question. Unless you want to go on tour, yeah. And and for for Little King, at least that hasn't been a huge option. We've done a couple of short East Coast tours, and we've mm. toured New Zealand for a couple of weeks. But it's always tricky when you've got kids yeah. and a family. Um, and so we've been super lucky just to be able to have. Um, the local brewery gigs and mm. we did a number five gig recently and all that kind of stuff where you can do original music, but I think you, yeah, you're exactly right. It is hard to push your original music, especially in the same area. Like you need to be mm. moving around a lot more and, um, and that's where the cover gigs do come in for a lot of artists. A lot of artists just refuse to do covers and I totally get it. Mm. Um, for me, I've always wanted to play music 
and be and do that as a living. Yeah. Um, and so that's just what I've had to do. Um, it's yeah, I know quite a few local blues artists that mm. fall into the covers uh, section. You know, Axe, uh, Pete Bowie, yep. and Chump Chains, and yeah. stuff like that. Where their whole sets actually covers, but there's so obscure old blues yeah. tunes that no one actually knows. Yeah. That probably feels like an original gig. Yeah, <laughs> but they were able to fill up their set list really yeah. fast since forming because they yeah, they didn't write the music. Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense, and also that's kind of cool too. Like, um, uh, we've just started. Chris and I have just started playing with Dan Salton and Pablo Blitzer, mm. and we're we're trying to do the Little King thing which is primarily originals, but to get more work, we're doing a lot of more obscure covers. And mm. if I showed you the playlist, which is on the computer behind me, <clears throat> um, I would say eight out of 10 people would not know the covers that we're doing. Yeah. But it's fun because exactly right. We don't have to write a whole show of original material, even mm. though I've got probably that much. But Which is time consuming. Oh, it's incredibly yeah. time consuming. Um, and, and often... Being a musician, it's one of those things where you write a, an original song and you might like it, mm. um, but I might write a ballad and I can't play a ballad with Little King. It just doesn't have the same thing. Yeah. Maybe I could. Maybe I should try. Well, with that out. being said, between your solo shows and your Little King show, is there much material that crosses over? Um, so I'm flipping the interview back on you. No, that's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Well, it's a conversation. Yeah, yes. Um, I don't. There is, but I guess I do them so differently when I'm soloing because mm. I'm looping. It means I can only use one form of a song, generally yeah. speaking. So it's got to be a loop, and I just sing the different parts over that same loop. Whereas with the band, it's it's totally different. Plus, the energy when I'm playing solo is a lot more down tempo, and we can do a lot more of the upbeat stuff with the band. Mm. I guess what I'm saying is like being being used to playing the gigs where you have to get people dancing. Um, we want all the upbeat stuff and that's why we've got these covers. But when we did this original gig at number five recently, it was nice because it's a sit down gig anyway. Yeah. Um, and we, we did strip a few back and we played a few songs that were a bit more ballady, a little bit more chill and people still got them. I guess it's just mm. pl- finding the audience for them and not, not always when you're playing a half cover, half original gig, you can't drop those really slow ones out. Yeah. And well, especially if people don't know them. Yeah, well, shifting back to like the local scene, I really hope that the geese and the music scene actually can get back up on its feet. Because mm. at the moment, we've got two venues, two or three venues, yeah, bo- booking geese. Um, and you know, that's what 40 people attending each gig at a time. Yeah, and where at, at one point you could bounce between, I, I remember. Oh, you Friday know, and Saturday nights. Yeah, I, I remember one of my favorite nights in Bello went started the night uh, at number five. What's Nathan Cavadiri doing like a yeah. uh, dinner show, going straight to the pub and finishing the night watching Tijuana Cartel, yeah. like two yeah, yeah. Great class band. A yeah, yeah. acts. Um, and you know, you, thirty and you, second walk from yeah, each other. You and know? and you, I mean, we used to do it where we um, probably shouldn't say this right now, but um, we we used to play our gig. At the the Fedo, mm. and in our breaks, our twenty minute breaks, there'd be a band on at the brewery. Yeah, <laughs> and we'd sneak down and we'd watch us uh, twenty minutes of their set. Then we'd go up and do our set. And we'd come back down. Yeah, um, and you know, like Five Church Street now, run by Stephen. He was doing Purple Carrot gigs. Mm. There was a there was a point where in Bellingen, and Coffs is great too. Um, mm. there's it isn't of... as close between venues. Right? No, there's that's, no venue that's exactly hopping. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't sort of wander around. 
Um, I, I guess I, w- I was just alluding to the fact that they've got music during the week, you know, the Coast Hotel and Element Bar mm. are doing music during the week and then most pubs are doing music over the weekend. But in Bellingen, there was a point where um, I think when Red Kitchen was still open, yeah. they were doing music and so was Purple Carrot and they were alternating Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah, Wednesdays, you would get like the jazz at the Federal Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Thursday nights, you would often get something. And Wednesday nights, sometimes at, at number five. Mm. Um, Thursday nights, you get open mic night and sometimes the blues night at the brewery. Yeah. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was stuff going on. All yeah. places. Cedar Bar was putting music on. Um, now oh, but back in the it. day, there was diggers as yep. well on occasion. Yeah. Rare I mean, occasion down at the golfy. Yeah. And, and during the day at the moment, Source Salvage yeah. putting shows on. So it's a, pl- it's a place that's always had a real strong... Um, affinity for live music. And the saddest thing about the last year is that that has totally lost momentum. Mm. Um, and people, uh, people are still going out, but I mean, we played at num- number five recently, like I said, and, um, it was nine o'clock when we finished and I know it's been wet and all that sort of stuff, but it, town was just dead Yeah, on a Friday night. Um, and I'm sure the, the fed might've been open, but it's, I th- I'm just looking forward to to being able to be a bit flexible and walk around town and get a kebab at at 10 o'clock. And not have to book two weeks in advance to <laughs> have a drink at the brewery yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. For an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, no, and it's no disrespect to the venues. They're just following the, the mm. laws. But um, certainly looking forward to when there's a little bit more flexibility and freedom in, in moving around between venues and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, we're starting getting back to it. Like, uh, we're getting you know, interstate acts back to the brewery. Yeah. Number five starting to uh, bring more stuff back as well. Hopefully the Fed soon, like, like you were saying, with Sourced mm. as well. Um, and Tish Farker up yeah. the top doing the Sunday session. got a great little vibe going up there. Yeah. So we're slowly getting back to it. Like, I, I don't know when normality will return again. Mm. Maybe we will get the... Uh, 2022 Winter Music Fest back. Yeah, it crossed. may happen. I don't know. There may be another version of like rolling sets over in coughs yeah. again. Oh man, that was um, that was one that I definitely wanted to do again. That was yeah. such a great day. You know, and like over in coughs, there's been so many one-off festivals yeah. over the years. That looked like one that felt like it was going to stick. It, they had such yeah. a successful first launch. Yeah, and then six weeks later, the COVID. whole, whole yeah, yeah. country went into lockdown. You know, yeah, yeah. it was for a lot of people. It was their last hurrah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of especially touring acts doing original stuff, like coming because that was right at the end of that Christmas holiday mm. period where a lot of tours are sort of finishing up, and February not nothing much really happens in that way. Yeah. Um, and you're exactly right. And I do remember them posting stuff going, looking forward to twenty twenty one. Yeah, it should have been around this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, last year and nope. <laughs> yep. You know, same with all the other small festivals in the area. Festival yeah. of the Sun down in Port. Yeah. Um, you know, other local ones as well that just fell by the wayside, like Winterfest, where there's writers, fine music festivals, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It just all gone. Um, and even you know the Sawtell Street Festival, yep. the Joy Fest, and you know. 
Fingers crossed. Uh, I don't know if we've got another 12 months of snowy treading water to figure out where we are. Yeah, it feels and a bit all the like that. Well, we don't have JobKeeper anymore, but we don't have the gigs that we once had. What's happening? Yeah. You know, well, it's... It's certainly a tricky time um, for, for any artist and especially artists that, that... Look, there's a lot of artists that um, do music as their side hustle, mm. um, but certainly there's a lot of artists, and, and particularly in Bellingen, like uh, I've always been amazed at the the guys that have done it and maybe aren't doing it right now, but certainly for long periods of time have just done, had music as their primary income. Yeah. Um, but for them, and, and this is, this is where it's tricky because, um, you know, guys like myself and those kind of artists, uh, are dependent on venues to open up and, and play and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But, um, not having the ability to, uh, do that at the moment venues being reluctant to put stuff on people can't dance and they don't want bands because they don't want to encourage dancing because they could get a, a seven thousand dollar fine mm. we're just in this really tenuous spot and i think with the rollout of the vaccination and and all that kind of stuff maybe we'll see a little bit of change fingers crossed for some positive change in 2021 well do you reckon there's space for local Groups or local councils to step up and do more outside events. I 100% believe that they should, mm. um, and I'd be right on board with like organising something like that because yeah. it's Bring something back that, River Festival. Yeah, <laughs> and even like I'd love to see Church Street have more of a Sunday afternoon um, kind of flavour. I mean, I guess it is tricky in in summer in Bellingen. It's just oppressive. Sunday sessions are not enjoyable. It doesn't matter where you are, the brewery, the federal. Why is that? Because it's so hot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, they're Fair enjoyable enough. in yeah, the yeah. sense that you go out and you can have a, a cocktail mm. or in Tish Farco, I've got a good thing going on their Sunday sessions now. Um, I'm pretty sure it's air conditioned and this mm. summer just hasn't been as hot in general. Oh, yeah. But but in the past, it's oppressive and and. People will still come out, but it's really uncomfortable. So it's tricky to kind of maintain that. But I'd love to see, even if it's a Saturday thing, like when town is bustling and there's some live music going on in the street and the council just pays for a, for a band on, on Saturday that's, that's creating some vibe and atmosphere once a week and, and that's a gig for a local band and it's just a local act, mm. two hours or something, you know, between sort of 11 and 1 or whatever. Um, if any Bellingen council, councillors are listening to this podcast, uh, hit me up. You can find me at uh, j at littleking.com. I will happily um, put a proposal toward doing something like that because, yeah, it, it helps create the, the vibe of, of Bellingen and Bellingen's always been about live music and art and, and, that, and yeah. the environment and so it's an important thing. And, like, I do have to give prompts to Bruce up at Source for oh, doing more outdoor gigs and yeah. stuff. I don't know how it's working out for the musos with payment and Stuff oh, look, like that, but, all that yeah. stuff is inconsequential, and and I've had this conversation with Bruce um, because you're working at times when you wouldn't be working, yeah. Anyway, so any little bit of income and exposure is fantastic. I've played there a couple of times, and I've had guys driving down the street, and I've got the, the speakers just pumping, and like people are putting their fists out yeah. the window, going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, and it and I think it just adds to the character of the town. Um, and when people have a bit more of a collective spirit and go, okay, this is what I love about this town. I can wander down the street and I can go to Tish Farco or the Federal or the Brewery or Five Church Street or Cedar Bar or mm. um, who else does music? Purple Carrot or yeah. Hilltop or Sourced Salvage yeah. or Diggers. Mm. Um, and I can hear some live music or hear a busker at the, at the corner, yeah. you know, across from the courthouse, like whatever it is. 
that's what people love about this area and something I it would be remiss of me not to warn against complacency because it is tricky for musicians right now. Um, and if we don't nurture that aspect of this community, we might lose it. And I certainly don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword at the moment because so many locals are being so xenophobic mm. about tourism mm. at the moment because yeah, everyone's still in a state of fear yeah. that they don't want more attractions to the town so yeah. then it affects the town. And it's Well, you're right. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword for sure. Like because... I remember the first markets that came back, yeah. back in July last year. It was great for the uh, vendors. It was great for the yeah. um, shops in town and so much hatred yeah. towards the market committee and the managers because how dare you put on an event that brings people into the town. And yeah, so it's, many. it's so tricky. But uh, and, and then you go to a certain shopping centers in Kosaba, yeah, and it's like every man and his dog. Mm-hmm. And it's you got to be careful, and, and you got to treat it uh, according to what's happened in this area. And I think we haven't had a, a, any community transmission mm. at all, and we've only had a couple of cases that were returning travelers. Yeah. Um, and yes, as as controversial as that topic is, oh, you know, you don't want to be spreading it. You don't want to be getting people interacting. You you also got to look, it's like people can't live off government handouts forever yeah. and people can't live off nothing. Mm-hmm. So you've got to give people an opportunity for work and, that, and that's, you know, what I was talking about with music before. Um, you know, you're saying it was a double-edged sword and you're exactly right. It, it is so tricky to find that balance mm-hmm. between, um, between do it, erring on the side of caution and then also allowing people to, to work and flourish and that kind of thing. So anyway, um, uh, and, and the other thing, you know, with the tourism and there is a lot of vitriol around that. And I think we need to just accept that Bellington's a beautiful place that people want to visit. Mm. Um, and instead of digging your heels in, cause it's, it's happening and it's going to happen and it's not. It's been slowly happening for years. Oh, 100%. Like, you can't. The un- last un- six months was a it. huge boost, yep. but you know, it was coming. Yeah. And you can't undo it. It's about, it's about retaining the character, retaining the aesthetic of Bellingen and, mm. And it's just enjoying being here. I mean, it's just such a beautiful place. Yeah. Dude, um, we're pretty much out of time. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, no worries. Um, I'm glad we talked about community radio. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Look, it's that's the whole thing. This podcast is about highlighting uh, music in the area, and that is going to be primarily like finding out about musicians and whatever, but I love getting guys like yourself in who play uh, what I believe is an integral role in in promoting local music and music in general, yeah. gigs and all sorts of stuff. Um, so thanks for coming in. Oh, no um, we'll have to. You'll have to return the favour sometime. Yeah, sometime. Well, I actually, album- I was too up on you, yeah, so no, you know, we're slowly getting back you are, in. You are true. But I, did, <laughs> but I did provide you with some great content you, you last did, year. <laughs> but we'll just keep this relationship we'll, we'll, going, bouncing backwards and forwards. Yeah, so. I, I'm okay with that. Um, dude, thanks for coming in. Looking forward to chatting again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Josh. Anytime, mate.